Governor Cuomo was noticeably absent on this one-year milestone of the coronavirus pandemic. Another woman has stepped forward with a complaint about the governor. Invasive, hostile, toxic workplace environment. He just can't serve as governor anymore. I'm sorry for whatever pain I caused anyone. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Welcome into The Debrief. I'm your host, Adam Cooperstein, in for David Ushery. The fire surrounding Governor Cuomo grows hotter by the day. A six-woman has now accused the governor of sexual harassment, and the details of her allegation are the most serious yet. Today in The Debrief, we'll go beyond the headlines with two of our reporters who have covered Cuomo for years. We'll explore the growing calls for the governor to step down, how he sees his path forward, and how Cuomo went from the nation's pandemic darling to a political pariah. First, here's News 4 investigative reporter Jonathan Dienst. Assembly Democrats agreed to set up a committee to begin an impeachment investigation. This, as the position of police in Albany, is this. They are ready to speak with the latest woman and investigate if she decides to step forward and file a forcible touching-related complaint against the governor. The sixth woman claims the governor groped her in the mansion. Albany's mayor today said the accuser has not filed a criminal complaint, but Albany police stand ready to investigate should she decide to step forward. This after the governor's office said they alerted Albany police because if an accuser declines, the agency has an obligation to reach out themselves and inform police of the allegation. According to the Albany Times Union, the latest accuser alleges Cuomo called her to the private residence, closed the door, and allegedly reached under her blouse and fondled her. Six women accused Governor Cuomo of improper behavior, with the first to raise allegations, political candidate Lindsay Boylan, going on camera for the first time today. I'm raising a daughter, and I refuse to see the future look like mine has looked for her. Cuomo denies any inappropriate touching and has apologized if any woman misunderstood his past conduct. He said this yesterday. Let's get the facts, and that's what the investigation does, and that's what the attorney general is doing. The two lawyers heading the attorney general's investigation set up a website for anyone to report any additional misconduct allegations. In Albany, 42 of 63 state senators are now calling for Cuomo to go, in addition to dozens of assembly members. Mayor de Blasio spoke out again after hearing of the latest groping allegation. Particularly this most recent report is just disqualifying. He just can't serve as governor anymore. De Blasio and others continue to point to allegations of a cover-up in nursing home death data. They also point to separate questions about past problems with some failing bolts during early construction of the new Cuomo Bridge and whether the state and its contractors released accurate information about the potential failing bolt problem. And in Albany, Assembly Leader Carl Heasty says the committee will have subpoena power, conduct interviews and review documents, and then they will decide whether down the road impeachment should be voted on. And now let's welcome in Jonathan Deanst and News 4's Andrew Siff and expand this discussion a little bit because both of you have been leading our coverage of Governor Cuomo's multiple scandals now for weeks. There was that line from one of the phone news conferences he's been doing. And of course, he has been ducking the public and the media uh, most of the time since this scandal really escalated. But you're involved in those those news conferences, Andrew. And he said, 
the other day, there are allegations and then there are allegations, right? And it was almost flippant, but let's dive into that. What did you make of that comment? It's hard to know exactly what the governor is thinking, but having covered him for a long time now, I think there is no doubt that a part of him has this mentality of, don't these people know I'm kidding? Or don't these people know when I'm teasing? Or don't these people know when I have a certain tone? Some of the allegations and their allegations sort of pertains to his usual manner. For example, as well, he's been accused, separate and apart from the sexual harassment allegations, by folks like Assemblyman Ron Kim of a bullying style. Well, at times when Governor Cuomo is riding high, he'll brag about that bullying style for example, opening up the Second Avenue subway by an appointed deadline, he's calling guys and saying, I won't take no for an answer. This will open December 31st or else. That's a bullying style. So some of the allegations and allegations sort of go to that. He's like, I've never hidden the bullying aspect of me. And you sure like it when I get stuff done. And on that front, it also has not endeared him to the legislators and some of the members of the press who've been on the receiving end of that bullying. And so the wellspring of a good faith or um, good offerings that you he might want or expect or need in this time of need is not there, which is perhaps why you're seeing many Democrats, along with Republicans, joining this call for um, him either to either step aside or be impeached. Let's talk about the timing of this for a moment. Jonathan, what do you make of the fact that Governor Cuomo's national profile reached new heights last summer. The daily briefings were popular. His name gets floated for national positions. He comes out with this book. And then all of a sudden, that popularity starts to erode because of the nursing home scandal. And then sexual harassment allegations come out. It doesn't feel like a coincidence to me. Well, I think the nursing home scandal has been this building crescendo because it seems that if they were not straight with the numbers, as is the allegation, if they had these numbers many months ago and just chose not to share them, it raises the question of the cover-up. And it, as we often hear, the cover-up is worse than the crime, because even if those numbers were put out, you would probably not have seen that many policy changes or differentials uh, given how widespread COVID had already spread throughout communities and throughout the nursing homes. But it is the act of the cover-up. So if that's in fact what happened, then you have Lindsey Boland starting in December with a pretty general allegation, not very specific, raising this issue, but she's out there on her own. And then I guess as the nursing home is gaining steam, perhaps she sees that, okay, I can perhaps take this moment where he is perhaps not his strongest and go public with additional details. She writes this essay in Medium, which details uh, quite a bit more about what allegedly happened to her. And then that perhaps opens the gates for some of these other women to come forward and say what allegedly happened to them. So that would be sort of the steamrolling. So it's not, you know, not a coincidence, but I wouldn't say it's interconnected in the sense that one led to the other in some sort of deliberate scheme. I think the series of events uh, led to one another. Makes but sense. I think it also has to be mentioned that at least two of the allegations 
are concurrent with or even after the nursing home scandal. For example, Charlotte Bennett, her allegations are that these uh, improper conversations and alleged sexual harassment took place in June. By that point, the nursing home questions had already been asked. And then this newest accuser, as reported by the Albany Times Union, we're talking about late last year. We're talking about possibly November, December at the executive mansion. The nursing home scandal already fully hashed out at that point. So some of what's happening, too, is that the alleged behavior is taking place concurrently with solving this end game of the pandemic. And that adds a whole nother layer as well. One other point I wanted to make is Mayor de Blasio was asked several times, well, you know, what do you think should happen? And de Blasio kept saying, well, more is going to come out. And I asked him, why are you so confident more is going to come out? Have you been notified? Have you been reached out to by the attorney general's office? And he said, no, but the layer of abject fear is gone. People who might have been too terrified to come forward aren't terrified anymore. And as a result, that's why he's so confident that more people will come forward and there will be more angles and aspects to the story. And uh, with this story, look who's investigating now. You have June Kim, who was in Preparara's U.S. Attorney's Office, and then he himself was U.S. Attorney. And they did a lot of uh, digging into Albany wrongdoing during those years. So June is quite experienced in taking a hard look uh, in both the governor's office and the legislature about alleged wrongdoing. And Ann Clark, this attorney who is an expert in employment discrimination. Uh, so these are not kid glove investigators. Uh, these are real respected attorneys who have a task and we're expecting within the next, uh, what is it, two months, Andrew, that that's when we may get some either initial or finding that will tell us what went on. Andrew, you've, you've been able to ask Mayor de Blasio more questions than Governor Cuomo recently because de Blasio is doing his daily briefings. And one of the things you've hit on that I think is important to New Yorkers, not just in the city, but New Yorkers as a whole, is this question of, well, de Blasio stopped short of saying resign now. He has said, I don't see how he could fulfill his duties. We're in a crisis. We are coming out of a pandemic and the vaccination effort is a race to save us from this crisis. And yet the governor is preoccupied with these multiple scandals. How is his governing style affected by the scandals that he's facing? Well, I think the governor very much wants to send the message that he can handle all of it at the same time, which is why you saw him at the Javits Center on Monday and at a Syracuse vaccination site on Tuesday. And these are very controlled appearances with no reporters allowed inside, but they send out the images of the governor in the comfortable bomber jacket, handling his business, greeting ministers, helping uh, facilitate the vaccinations. But by the same token, there's no question they're having a series of meetings with high level attorneys and they're figuring out how they're going to handle depositions in this matter. And it absolutely has to cut it into the time that he can devote to the very real pandemic crises. So I think that's what the mayor is talking about. And that's probably fueling some of this new talk. What about an interim acting governor while you handle this? I don't know that there's any precedent for that, Jonathan, maybe you do, but I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard, well, why don't you temporarily step aside while the lieutenant governor fulfills your duties? No, I, all I know is the uh, early 1900s with one impeachment of a sitting governor. That's the only a possible parallel. You go back to the Clinton scandal, 
that uh, Clint was able to juggle and survive both, and in the end wound up being a very popular president despite the Lewinsky scandal, um, and some would argue a successful president. I think it's to be determined. I think the question is, are there still more shoes to drop? How many more Democrats are going to call for this change? I think that's really where we have to uh, keep our eye on the ball in terms of Democratic leaders, Democratic members of the Assembly and the Senate. How many more are uh, going to stand with this governor and how many more are going to say we've had enough? We've seen enough. We've seen, guys, the Marist poll a couple of weeks ago, uh, the approval rating for Governor Cuomo has certainly plummeted. Hard to really say exactly where the public as a whole stands right now in the current moment. But what's your sense of Does Cuomo feel at all emboldened that for at least until recently, he has been a popular governor in a time where politicians just aren't popular? I mean, you find a politician that has overwhelming support these days and certainly outside of their own party. It's it's difficult. Is there a safety net of, you know, the people are still okay with me staying in this position? Well, he definitely feels that way if everything froze where it is. Uh, or where it was before the most uh, recent allegation, he definitely feels like he can ride it out. The strategy, somewhat akin to what Virginia's governor, Ralph Northam, did, which was to put your head down, keep working, and that over time, the voters will say, hey, look at this guy. He's just doing his job. That seems to be the Cuomo strategy. But the, there are two problems. One, it keeps getting worse almost by the day. And two, the attorney general's investigation, as Jonathan pointed out, is in the hands of serious, serious attorneys. This is not a situation where there is a total exoneration that's a likelihood for the governor. I think strategically, his best hope is the time elapses in such a way that whatever the conclusion, the public will be so familiar with it at that point that maybe the call for some type of punitive action against him quiets down. That's the Somebody uh, somebody wrote that that's not much of a strategy, but it's the strategy he has. And when you asked Adam about the reaction out there and the public uh, feeling, a lot of feedback that I've been getting, some feedback I've been getting, people say, look, the times change. Here's a, you know, an older generation uh, guy who grew up during different times and behaviors and standards were different back then than they are today. We've heard Cuomo perhaps touch upon that at some of his press conferences saying, you know, I have learned from this experience. I was unaware that uh, women had felt this way. I never knew. Uh, So, of course, I will change and be more sensitive to it going forward. And that explanation seems among some in the public who have written us and spoken to us, uh, who have said, yeah, we can understand that, uh, that, that times have changed and the guy grew up in a different era. But still, there is, if there is improper and unsolicited groping or grabbing or touching, I don't know how that explanation uh, jives with that allegation. Jonathan, Andrew, thank you both so much for your time. Really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Good to be with you. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to our production team, Melissa Mack, Darren Price, and Ben Berkowitz. I'm your host, Adam Cooperstein, in for David Ushery. We'll check back with you next time on The Debrief.